Hour number three. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, David Amber hosting Hockey Night in Canada, NHL on Sportsnet. We're also giving away VIP tickets to the Cowboys Music Festival on Sunday, July 16th. We're asking you, give us your Kent Hughes-type tough question to draft picks. 960-960, name and location. But the second round of the NHL draft tonight goes down from Nashville. To talk about that and what transpired last night, Sportsnet NHL draft analyst, former director of scouting for the Florida Panthers on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. We say good morning to Jason Bukla. Books, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Um, what was your favorite part of the first round last night? I never get tired of the emotions in the stands. I mean, you know, we mm. panned it, um, you know, on the on the camera there. You know, you see the parents, and it takes an army to, uh, uh, you know, it takes a village, a town, a city, whatever you want to you want to say to to get these kids to uh, where they want to be in their NHL careers, or at least at the beginning here. And it's such an emotional moment, like Fantilli. I think he had 115 people in the stands or something. So these, those moments wow. are pretty cool to uh, to take a look at. But uh, beyond that, I mean, uh, the flow of the first round, it was uh, interesting. No trades. I can't remember in my entire career where there's not been a trade in the first round. Uh, trade up, trade back, uh, maybe trade a player, uh, a roster player in there. And so that was interesting. And then, uh, of course, uh, I thought St. Louis had a heck of a day. They They did really well. And, uh, Calgary got a great player, great character kid. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in uh, one sec. Wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, Carlson at two, were you surprised by that? And maybe uh, Reinbacker at five to the Habs? Carlson, I wasn't surprised that. I, I was splitting hairs between Fantilli and Carlson. It was going to be one or the other, just flip the order. So I wasn't really surprised at that. Um, uh, makes sense either way, so you know that that was fine. Reinbacher at five, um, that really started to uh, change things in terms of the trajectory of what was going to happen next. In my estimation, I think Reinbacher uh, could very, especially when you look at Arizona taking Simbashev as early as they did. I, I have to assume that Reinbacher was probably their guy there, um, and they went in a different direction as soon as uh, as soon as he was gone. So um, that one there, interesting, you know. Um, Great player, right shot B. We all know how coveted those guys are, especially when they get to the league. Um, you know, he's going to be – he has a chance to be a top-pairing D. There's no question, the two-way guy. But it, it definitely changed the trajectory. And I was anticipating a potential trade uh, trade back scenario for Montreal there, and it didn't materialize. Now, you mentioned the uh, Simashev pick was maybe the the one that kind of mixed things up early on. Uh, how how surprised were you that that's where Arizona went, and what did you think of kind of the the rationale behind that pick? Shocked. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was shocked. I mean, um, it's one thing you know to uh, to go off your draft list, which is clearly they they valued the player, and there's nothing the matter with that. That's the guy they wanted. That's the guy they targeted. Um, the reality, though, is that that player could have been taken later in the uh, in the first round, and so there's two ways you look at it strategically. Uh, you just make the pick because you don't want to go jumping through hula hoops to, you know, to take the risk of trading back and he's not there for some strange reason. Um, but, you know, like Nashville was trying desperately to trade up at this draft. And uh, even at 15, I, I, I firmly believe that Simashev was going to be available at 15, for example. So, um, but, 
Arizona, you know, they, they went uh, they went in their own direction. They were the two Russians at 6-12. and 12. One thing you got to keep in mind with them, guys, is that uh, their timeline for arrivals on players, they have to really time things out appropriately on their uh, depth chart because they're not going to have room for all these guys at the same time if they all start arriving at the same time. So mm-hmm. they've got three, four years to wait on those two players. All right, let's get into the Flames a little bit. At 16, they grabbed Samuel Honzik. Man, some of the guys that were going just before that pick, I would have been really excited to see fall down to the Flames. Zach Benson certainly uh, shines there. But tell us a little bit about Samuel Honzik, what the interview process was like, and what your viewings of him with the Vancouver Giants told you. So his viewings uh, ended up being a little bit more limited than others, only because he had that injury midseason. But having said that, saw him enough to... To, to recognize the upside. Uh, so what you get is a big body who plays a 200-foot game. Uh, real hard to handle in the trenches. He's long, um, so you know it's hard to, to, to get a puck off his stick uh, off the wall or around the crease. Um, character personified. Like This kid is such a great human being. Awesome interview. Uh, he came over here last uh, instead of playing pro over there he came over here to develop in the western hockey league last august still hasn't gone home he's skating he's skating with gallagher and his dad right now back in vancouver and a bunch of the other pros uh, getting ready for obviously development camp now um you're gonna get a body here guys that's uh he looks like he could put on 25 pounds like this kid might end up being six three six four two twenty five in the middle of the ice and uh, his mechanics uh, Skating-wise, have to improve, I would say, between the blue lines, speed-wise. He's, he's just got to get about 10% more out of his stride, like speed-wise, but he's got tons of time and time to add the strength. Um, 2F, uh, I would be more comfortable than 1F, and better than secondary scoring upside, but you're going to be able to roll him out in all situations. Jason, one of the things that we hear around the draft with a lot of these kids sometimes is ah, the stride isn't necessarily there, the skating can be improved, but once they get to the NHL, they'll work with their skating coach and they'll be fine. But don't all these players nowadays work with skating coaches at the age of 16 and 17 and 18 going into the draft? So I wonder how hard it is to kind of change that stride once an NHL organization calls your name at the draft. Yeah, it's a good point. So really what a guy like myself, so in Florida, we had Evan Marble, who's based out of Kelowna, and he has, um, that's what he did before he came on our staff. So he was a skating coach, if you will, skills skills and skating coach. So we would break down, sometimes through the naked eye, the stride might look not pretty, but it's where you get from A to B and you time it out. Um so guys like that are important to have on your staff to say, okay, I don't think he's going to be like his body mechanics, the way he's structured, um, you know, he's 10 and two too much instead of being on a straight line. It's going to take a long time for, for us to break that habit, if you will. Um, I can tell you right now in, in the case of Hanzek, um, I think that back home before he came over here, his availability or the, the people over there to, to work on his skating, skating coaches might've been, um, more limited, like his options might have been more limited, and that's probably part of the reason why he's over here training as, as hard as he is. Um, I have no issues with his mechanics, so it, it's fine. It's just a strength issue with him, and, and that'll come with uh, hard work in the gym. Sportsnet Draft Analyst, former Director of Scouting the Florida Panthers, Jason Bukla, joining us here live from Nashville on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline Big Show Russick and Rose. All right, Jason, what 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 should we have our eyes on here for round two? Uh, what are some of the gems left, in your opinion? Well, I love Andrew Crystal from the Corner Rockets. I, I'm assuming he's going to go out early here in the next uh, 
hour and 20 minutes or so. Gavin Brindley out of the University of Michigan. And then you're going to see a run of goalies uh, sooner than later. So I anticipate seeing Michael Harabel, the giant there from Omaha Lancers, six foot seven, almost 215-pound goaltender. I think he'll probably be the first one off the board. And then you'll start to traditionally, guys, as soon as a goalie goes, everybody gets nervous and they start drafting goalies. So I think that that's, uh, that's very possible here. Um, to give you guys some insight on what I think might happen with the Flames at, I think they're 48. I'm just pulling it back up here in front of me. They're 48. Um, boy, they got, um, they're going to have a couple of different ways to go in there. And I'm, I'm keeping a close eye to see if Anton Wahlberg drops that far. If he does, or Oscar Fisker Mulgaard, two names to keep an eye on today, two different types of players. Uh, you know, Wahlberg, uh, he plays uh, the middle of the ice. He's a big body too. Like, I, I project him as a middle six forward that's trending up, uh, but six foot three, 192 pounder that uh, you have to watch him really closely to appreciate. Like guys in the trenches sometimes don't get the love they deserve, and he's one of those guys that's really valuable uh, when you're building a, a roster out. The other kid's uh, more of a darting uh, motion player, really quick to space. Uh, he's smaller, uh, smaller skill guy, but uh, those are a couple of names for you guys to keep an eye on today that. I think would be a nice uh, pickup for uh, the Flames if they fall into their lap. Andrew Crystal's got to be going to the Blackhawks to join his buddy Connor Bedard, right? Oh, uh, wouldn't that be something? It's like, got to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, and we could do a whole show. I know we've had this talk yeah. forever, Rosie, but uh, I could do a whole show on Andrew Crystal. The kid's like, uh, you know, it's like he just pulled him right off the beach, and he's got that surfer's kind of lingo going, and he's just so fun. This this kid, he just he lights up a room. It's it's refreshing. Yeah, I really did enjoy his uh, interview there with uh, Connor Bedard right before the draft got going in the whole yeah. nine yards. Just like, how has this whole process been? Like, you know, the awards, the draft. Now you got day two. Like, this has got to feel like a marathon for you. What's been more exhausting, a long night out in Nashville's Broadway or a full <laughs> day doing the NHL draft for Sportsnet? Well, uh, I, it's full transparency, so I always strategize my draft week. I've been doing this long enough. When I was younger, younger, um, <laughs> you know, I would get involved in all the festivities all through the week, the, the draft parties and all that kind of stuff. Not anymore. So Sammy Cause and I, when we got here the first night, we uh, you know we made a few trips around, uh, shook some hands, kissed some babies, that kind of stuff. But it's been pretty much sequestered ever since then. This town, though, has been absolutely electric. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's like it's it's been on fire. What a great host! They did a fantastic job. Nashville's the destination, and uh, hopefully somewhere down the road here, Calgary gets an opportunity because I think Calgary do a fantastic job at uh, at hosting something just as well. Uh, Boost, do you have like the Mel Kuyper way of doing draft coverage? He doesn't go to the washroom the entire broadcast. Uh, oh, have you have you the same way? Like, how how do you manage that situation? Because you do a great job of being there every time. <laughs> how did how did Mel manage that? I I, like, I was watching Mel Kuyper back yeah. in the day. Like, how did he? Are you is that is that your story? That's like, the thing. Was, yeah, he, he doesn't there? doesn't go to the washroom during the the telecast. I don't want to gross out your listeners, but I'm not one of those guys that sits at the slots all day long, so there's some washroom breaks in there, fellas. <laughs> okay. No adult diaper for Books. I got it. Uh, good job. No. Um, <laughs> Books, enjoy the uh, second round of the draft. We're looking forward to the coverage. Thanks for this. Yeah, of course, guys. Always, and hopefully we can circle back and uh, talk about what they did the rest of the way here. Sounds good. Love we'll it. absolutely do that. Thanks, pal. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar 
guest hotline, um, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery call 403-248-3344. Um, do you have the Kent Hughes question that uh, he befuddled um, Elliot Friedman with last night on the broadcast oh. about what he asks uh, draft potential draft picks of the Habs? Because this one's uh, is a tough one. I think one was if you uh, if you were at war and you were required to shoot down uh, enemy submarines and that submarine had shot down one of your boats and there were members of your your army in the water and you knew the submarine was there, would you shoot the submarine? You know, question whether you you know you appreciate and stay focused on a task. Difficult questions, but. Um. Clearly, the answer is I'd kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I let would. God uh, sort them out, Kent. I, yeah, it would be something like that. Um, I would There's just give my up. My bunkmate Steve in the water. Sorry, Steve. We got to take out yeah, this sub. A rip, Steve. Like, I think the big question is, like, what what's on the other sub? Like, what do I have to do? Why do I have to really kill this sub? I don't know it again. That's not the right Sean Connery in uh, in uh, what was oh. that movie? Oh, uh, the, the Hunt for Red October. Yes, yeah, it's Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, he didn't get that one. No, I, no, Sean Connery. Oh, Hunt, Sean Connery. Uh, uh, Hunt for that's Red October. Bad, Sean Connery. Doesn't he play a Russian? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Listen, hey, the guy had range. He did. <laughs> he had range. Highlander. All right. <laughs> Look at all these accents he's doing. Oh, Sean Connery. Ah, okay, Sean um, Connery. That one wasn't so good. Um, we uh, we've been taking some text messages on this. <laughs> We're giving away um, two tickets to the VIP Music Festival at Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Sunday, July sixteenth. Uh-huh. Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, twenty four K Golden. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're asking you, what would be your Ken Hughes-like question to a draft pick? Some of these are great. We're going to mix in some of these now, and then we'll do it after Dave and Amber. Are you ready for some of them right now? I'm ready. Let's go. Hit it, Texty McTexterson. Matt from Langdon. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? <laughs> Very important question. It's that obviously a, the duck-sized <laughs> horses. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's a lot, but a hundred the, of them? Yeah, yeah a hundred of, of them. No problem. You, and they got the strength of a horse, though. You've seen how big a horse is? Yeah. They're huge. Ducks can get pretty big. But not wait, that it big. would be a ducks duck like that's the size But a hundred of, of them all come yeah, after Yeah, George. You? It's either one huge duck that's the size like of a, a horse. like a giant bill? Well, yeah, it's the size of a horse. <laughs> it would bite so you, it's it, humongous. It would bite your head off. Yeah, it, it would be like eight feet tall. <laughs> Versus a hundred, yeah, a hundred horses, a hundred horses that are like a, a foot long. Yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> what you would you would like foot sweep all of them and break yeah. their legs? Yeah, how would you attack? Them. Sorry, them what what them. what is the horse's main attack here? Right? What is it? Teeth stomping. It's you. not teeth. It's teeth. They bite. Not when they're the size of a duck. They're gonna kick you. Would you have to put peanut butter on Stand his guns like Mister Ed? <laughs> oh, Mister Ed. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's good. Uh, you know, Hello. Like, yeah, I'm like, Mr. Ed. Great job. I like how stupid we are that we're arguing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you. Clearly, a good... it's the hundred. Okay. Uh, duck-sized horses have... that you'd want to fight. There is a debate here from this next one. All right, Greg in Varsity. 
if the members of the morning show were floating in a pool with life jackets for four hours, for charity of course. And they had to consume the following four items in the first 60 minutes, in what order would you feed them the following four non-lethal items? A cup of lemonade. Okay. A full X lax bar, okay. a cup of feta brine, <laughs> an edible, and why? Well, we'd have to give Maddie the edible. The edible right goes away. first. Yeah, so Maddie yeah. can actually deal with the situation. Because <laughs> <laughs> Maddie would be the one panicking first. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, give me, give me George's too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can have both. I'm gonna have both of these because Maddie needs to calm the s down. <laughs> yeah, and then what were the other ingredients? Uh, Black bar, a feta feta brine, and uh, lemonade. <laughs> What's a feta brine? Like the juice from feta. Yeah, cheese. the juice and like oh, feta oh, cheese. Oh, yeah. oh god! Oh god! <laughs> um, a good old cup of feta juice. Edible feta brine. Lemonade and X-lax bar. You're X-lax in the water, bar. so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, that's the worst. Bar, no, that's so nature. wrong <laughs> because I have to be in the water for four hours. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna, it's gonna shoot go it away. away. What? Shoot it away. Shoot it away. <laughs> Did you just hear what our diet was? There's no way that's solid. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Lemonade and you'll dehydrate before you. You'll dehydrate. <laughs> Even with Maddie's tone, I think he has to take Orf all four edibles. <laughs> I need all of them. Like, I'm not like, opposed. We need to calm Maddie down. I'm not opposed. And to be as chill as possible. I wonder what charity it's for. I could do four edibles, no problem. All right. The human fund. The all human right, let's get another one. Logan near the hat, if your neighbor needed to borrow a cup of sugar, but she refused to pay half for the fence repairs last summer, but she is a smoke show, would you do it? <laughs> you know what, Logan? Uh, if she messed up your fence, even though she's a smoke show, you should still go try to get that cash. Get the- uh, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need the fence fix. Yo, but the question is, do you give her the cup of sugar? Because she's coming. Of course to- you do. Because she's hot. Of course you do. Like you. Got- <laughs> I'd really like you to pay for this fence though. Some soon. Yeah. Yeah. Like no rush. You but- do one of those moves like where you're about to hand the sugar to her, and then you pull it back. You're like, oh. hey, remember about the fence? Oh, by the way, I uh, still haven't got that check for the fence. Uh, <laughs> and see yeah. that? Yeah. You don't get this sugar. Your pie's okay, gonna wait. suck. But wait, is it the worst thing that there's some sort of issue with the fence that maybe you have a better view of things specifically? Uh, okay, we can probably just all right. Next, I'm one. just I'm just thinking. Oh no, loud. yeah, you're really brainstorming. That's, that's a good, good idea sometimes. Yeah. To be no. honest with you, well, it was just a repaired her side of the fence. So you got to think that it's just like nice on your side and it's fully fenced, and then on their side it just looks like crap. Okay, all right. <laughs> I like these scenarios. Keep them going. Braden in Calgary. If you had one day to live, would you spend it with your family or do every drug on the planet? <laughs> Wow. Interesting. <laughs> What's an 18-year-old hockey player going to say to Ken Hughes? <laughs> where's where's my briefcase, bro? I'm out of here. Let's go. Um, I would say, again, the, the right answer is spend time with the family. But Obviously. Did that for 18 years, though. Got one more day. <laughs> Come out with a bang. All right. All right that's it, GVP. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, line it all up. 
Lego. <laughs> this kid plays with an edge. I like that answer. I like that. <laughs> All of a sudden, GVP's requesting bottles of water and a glow stick in his mouth <laughs> after he does the E first. He's humping everything he sees. Yeah. All right. Gross. Okay. One more. Jay in Calgary. If all the 960 employees had to have a Royal Rumble, which person would you try to throw over the top rope first? Mm. Okay, if Alex Brody was yeah, here, well, I say that would laugh. be the answer. Um, you got to get Logan out first. Nice. You got to get Logan out first. What do you mean? You got to get Logan out first. Okay, well, that's like, okay, you got to get Logan out first. I get it. I think I, I, you know what I would do? Because he would just, I'd whip, I'd whip Taylor right over the ring. Oh, that'd be easy. Because <laughs> she's little. I, I go right so after one arm into the front row of the seats. You go. I, yeah, I would just chuck Taylor right <laughs> over the, the ropes. Because she's the lightest one at Sports at nine sixty. Yeah, that. Be like, she, sorry, she Taylor, would, you're out. Yeah. Listen, if Brody was still here, we'd throw him into the first row, but yeah. that's what you get. Brody would be like the one who would like run in and get introduced in like two seconds later. Yeah, yeah. clothesline, tossed out, yeah. next, God. come on. I'm taking Kyle Lauderdale first. Yeah. I feel like get I feel out. like Patty Steinberg would be the one whose face would be all bleeding through the entire time. <laughs> He'd be, everybody's taking shots at him. He would be the first seed in. He would be one of the top two seeds, and he would be the yep. guy that makes it all the way to the end and He's then the Iron and Man. then loses. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Just doing the important stuff here on the big show. Love Just this. Asking the tough questions like Kent Hughes did. Yeah. All right. One one more, I promise. One okay. more. One more. God, they're so good. They are so good. Cliet in the s'more. If you and Bruce were on a two-on-zero in a 55-plus indoor soccer league, mm -hmm. would you pass, shoot, or eat one of Bruce's arms for food? you got to pass on a two-on-oh in soccer, so it's a tap-in. <laughs> but, but what about the arm part? Wait, no, there'd be no there eating was, of the arm. There was like a little diverse there. Eat his arm, or just, you know, like eat all of a sudden, arm. it's like, hmm, hey, pass pass over your righty here. Pass the ulna. On it. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and Cleet, again, Cleet, you, you do this, you recycle this joke over and over again, and I appreciate you listening. It was over 35, Cleet, not 55. It was over 35. No, I've seen George has the uh, fake card. He gets into the over the 55 lead. Yeah. There's nothing wrong I've with that move either. Like, just way overestimate your age. And just, like, running. I'm actually 58. Up, wow, run. you look incredible, <laughs> Running up, running up the score. Maddie, you should do that, too. Actually, I'm 49. You're like, wow, wow you look great. Unbelievable. Good and then, you. Uh, you know, I shave my mustache, and they're like, wow, what did, what grade are you in? Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, David Amber next. More of your uh, scenarios, <laughs> your Ken Hughes-like scenarios at 960-960. Uh, name and location. That's next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sports at 960. The fan. It's the big show, Rustic and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We'll wrap up the show as we're giving away VIP tickets to the Cowboys Music Festival, which goes down Sunday, July 16th. Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, 24K Golden. We're asking you on 960-960, your Kent Hughes-like question you would ask to draft picks, 960-960, name and location. Some of these are really good. 
We've enjoyed some of your scenarios. Like the ones we've played, forth. they're fun. And the ones that we can't play, my goodness. Well done, team. Yeah, keep them rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. Can you play the Kent Hughes thing one more time real quick before we get to David Amber? <laughs> yeah. You were at war and you were required to shoot down uh, enemy submarines and that submarine had shot down one of your boats and there were members of your your army in the water and you knew the submarine was there, would you shoot the submarine? Yeah. Question whether you, you know you appreciate and stay focused on a task. Difficult questions, but... Ken yeah, I like know. how Elliot's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Depth <laughs> charges for everybody. How do you shoot down a submarine? Which was uh, pointed out on the text line, which makes a ton of sense. Make it a boat. You sink a submarine, you don't shoot it down. I was going to say just design it out of carbon fiber. Yeah, there you go. Stop it. <laughs> nice. Very good. Stop it. Very timely, but stop it. Um, <laughs> David Amber, host of Hockey Night Canada, NHL and Sportsnet, Sportsnet and the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Uh, David, good morning. Have you ever gotten a really tough interview question like that uh, in broadcasting? Oh, my God. Like, given it or received it? Both. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had some job interviews where I've had some pretty, some pretty tough questions. I remember being stumped a few times or being kind of taken aback. Maybe nothing crazy like that, but definitely something where I was like, "Oh shoot, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for that," you know. Um, yeah, how, so that was pretty wild. I I I just I really do wonder what the value of some of those questions are. Yeah, like, it's an eighteen-year-old kid. Day, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. At the end of the day, there's an eighteen-year-old kid, and you know they're trying to answer what they want, what they think you want to hear. Anyhow, they're probably sort of practicing for that and. I, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to see how quick on their toes these guys are or whatever, but it just seems to me, I, I think it's a bit much, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, uh, too, um, David. The correct answer is kill everybody. I think that's what the correct answer would be <laughs> in that situation. So, um, what wanted to ask you, uh, what was your favorite part of the draft last night? Uh, when it's done. That's a long show. Um, I was when that thirty-second uh, pick was called. That was my that was the highlight for me. I, I it is a bit of a beast of a show to do, but um, my favorite part last night actually was when we had Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli on the set with us. I you know separately, but um, just to see up close the joy, uh, you know, sort of them being able to commemorate how important this moment was for them. You know when when. Connor Bedard pulls out a little special chip that he keeps in his pocket to remind him of his late grandfather Garth, who died of, you know, in a in a sudden tragic car accident a couple of years ago. Like those are the sort of moments. They're very real, very raw. The emotions there. Um, you know, this we look at it through the lens of a hockey fan. Oh, great, my team got player X, or you know, oh wow, maybe maybe we're a step closer to the Stanley Cup. But that's not the whole story. That's part of it for sure. But the bigger part is, you know, this has been 18 years, and for a lot of these families, a ton of sacrifices, a, a ton of commitment. Um, and we all know what it's like to, to have to, you know, excel to that level, the discipline it takes for these young men um, to see it all kind of come to fruition. That might sound hokey to some of your listeners, but I, it really is pretty cool. The look on Adam Fantilli's face, he just couldn't wipe that smile off his face. And we were. We're having a fun little laugh about how he went to Michigan and now he's 
you know, Ohio State uh, University country and how that's going to be because that's a very bitter rivalry. I mean, it's it's picture the Leafs and the Habs, but times that by 10, it really runs deep and it's very, it's a visceral type situation. And, you know, he's now maybe on the other side of it, at least um, geographically. So it's interesting. So um, just those moments uh, probably were the ones that I, I really will remember and, and cherish the most. Uh, David, obviously the skill set, the shot is everything off the charts for Connor Bedard. Obviously that's why he's, been so highly touted for so many years what do you think of his size do you think he's going to struggle a little bit maybe early on in his nhl career uh trying to navigate through a big league when the guy he's 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 a thick kid but he's really not the biggest kid in the world right um i would say i'd have more question marks 20 years ago um he's gonna have to adjust for sure um but a few things one he's built very solidly um you know through the hips you know i sound like i'm <laughs> sound like i'm there at the combine but he is he's he's not tall but he is um he's not slight he is he's a thick guy so i think he'll be able to handle himself i, I think he's gonna have to adjust i think he'll be obviously targeted and he's gonna have to find a way to to adjust to to what it's going to be like to go up against growing men uh night in night out um having said that i think he thinks the game on such a high level right like you got to remember the Saskatoon plays and I realize, you know, not all those players on Saskatoon are going to be playing at the next level. In fact, very few of them probably will be, but remember in the playoffs, the Saskatoon blades, basically their game plan was this. We stop Connor Bedard. We win the series. What does he do? He puts up 10 goals and 20 points in a seven game series, albeit Saskatoon won in seven games. But think about that. Like he's their sole target for seven games in this series. And he still finds a way to have almost three points per game. It's nuts. So he he thinks the game at such a high level. He has such a high level of skill. Um, I personally think it's going to translate. Well. I personally think he's going to, you know, be very, you know, he's going to be that superstar. I don't I don't see how that's not going to happen. But I think he's going to have to obviously think it through uh, and get players around him to help him, you know, learn and thrive. So I think that's going to be you know, it's about that roster. He started to make those moves with Taylor Hall with Nick Foligno. I'd like to see what the rest of the summer entails for. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I guess some of that puzzle will come together, um, you know, Saturday morning on our free agency show when we start to see the other pieces in place to help Connor Bedard and insulate him a little bit in his uh, early uh, NHL career. David, you're sitting on the desk with two former NHL executives and Sam Cosentino. Um, one of the things that I loved one of the past drafts going back to 2020 was when Yegor Shinikov got drafted by the Jackets at 21st overall and Sammy was kind of like flustered looking for notes on the kid. What was the moment in the first round that elicited the most visceral reaction from the panel around you that we may or may not have seen on the broadcast? Well, there was two moments that stand out. Uh, Shimashev going, what was it, 6th overall yeah. to, to um, Arizona. That obviously was not expected and and the panel spoke about it i asked a lot of raised eyebrows you know what what are you thinking and they all this sort of thought yeah this is a first round player but this is a guy that probably was going to drop to between 15 and 20 potentially even 25 yet there's a bit of a reach at six unless you just feel he's the best player and elliot friedman asked bill armstrong that and bill armstrong said yeah we felt he was the best player so that explained that but that elicited some great level of surprise uh, from the panelists. And the other one that really caught a lot of people off was Easton Cowan with the Maple Leafs, simply because it's funny, I, I do, for me, you know, this is a little bit out of my element. You know, uh, I spend the whole year really following the NHL closely. I'm not following junior hockey quite as closely. Um, so to prepare to do this draft, 
I basically go through a lot of research, go through a lot of different mock drafts, talk to a lot of people, and I make notes on what I consider the top 55 prospects, thinking, okay, I like my chances. If I've done the top 55, 32 of those 55 will be done. Uh, Eastman Cowan's name did not come up on any list that I went through, period, right, when I was going through sort of top 80 prospects, top 90 prospects, and cross-referencing and talking to people. So it, it was off the board a little bit. Um, thankfully, you know, Jason and uh, Sam, they, they, their knowledge runs so incredibly deep. You know, nothing's going to fluster them. They didn't, they didn't start panicking and typing in names and <laughs> who is this kid and all that. They knew who he was. They knew he was a London Knight prospect. They knew he was, his name was going to get called. Um, you know, they thought actually today instead of yesterday. But they were prepared for it. But it certainly was a bit of a, hmm, okay, what, there's a hunch there. There's something there that they've seen that we, we haven't seen. So, um, you know, that, that's going to happen sometimes. But that was, I guess, as close to a, a surprising moment as we had last night. Did you miss the trades? And it really felt like there wasn't even anything necessarily close. Like there was a couple tweets about some activity at the St. Louis Blues table, but it amounted to very little. Did you miss the trades in the first round? We really did. Yeah. Um, I've only hosted the show twice, and I was very spoiled last year. I mean, we had the Kirby uh. Doc, Alex Debrinkit, Peter Morazic. We had, you know, seven trades, 20 draft picks, teams trading up, teams trading down. Uh, it was, you know, Elliot and Jeff were very busy on the draft floor, breaking, breaking, breaking news. And Gary Bettman was up and down like a yo-yo up onto that podium to announce trades. And we didn't see Gary Bettman. We saw him make his, you know, initial introduction to the booze that he always, you know, calls for. And that was it. It was, it was actually pretty shocking. And talking to some of the fans and the GMs and scouts, et cetera, after the draft, they're all like, wow, what happened? Why wasn't there any moves? I'm like, well, you tell me. You're the ones, that, you're the ones not making the moves. <laughs> you know, I, I think, quite frankly, everyone was really surprised. You know, not a single trade. And, and I would say this, like, this draft will go down as, you know, the Connor Bedard trade, and let's hope this all transpires the way a lot of the draft experts expect it will. And it maybe will be remembered like the 2003 draft, so deep, so good, a bunch of future Hall of Famers, et cetera. But it's not going to be remembered as the most exciting draft simply because there wasn't a lot of craziness. Um, a lot of teams were just, you know, sort of stuck in the mud. And you, you heard you heard almost the frustration. Barry Trot said he tried and tried and tried and tried. To, to get up to that top four spot to get some of these, you know, high-end skilled players. And he, it was unsuccessful. There was a lot of teams looking to move up and unsuccessfully. And there was a few teams, I think, maybe even trying to move down. And there just wasn't a match to be made. So it was a, it was a strange draft in that way. It was a bit anticlimactic. Thank goodness, you know, we had Connor Bedard there at the top with that excitement, at least, of just seeing him have that moment. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't what we expected. We expected there to be a lot more movement, especially because we saw what we saw in the days leading up, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Toffoli, et cetera. We were like, okay, here we go. The ball started to roll. It's going to be big. Uh, I, I hope, I mean, imagine on Saturday if, if it's kind of crickets. I don't think it will be, but um, I'm imagining uh, there'll be more activity because everyone was a bit surprised at the lack of it yesterday. Uh, he's a host for Hockey Night Canada, NHL on Sportsnet. David Amber joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, David, if you're not affiliated or a family or friend of somebody getting drafted, uh, what do you think goes through the mind of somebody who wants to attend an NHL draft? Like, would you be the type of guy sitting there for, you know, all 32 picks being just a casual fan or you're just waiting for your team to make that pick? Because that always amazes me that somebody sits through a draft in the crowd. Um, well, listen, there's a lot of friends and family 
and there was a lot outside of, of those people. I'm talking somebody who has nothing to do with anybody getting drafted. They just wanted to go see the draft in person. Well, I could tell you at our hotel there are a lot of Connor Bedard slash Chicago Blackhawks fans. A lot. I tweeted out yesterday. They were up at the pool area. I was just sitting there trying to do my final sort of prep, and they're all boozing it up and wearing their Chicago Blackhawks jerseys, even though it's 100 degrees outside. And it was they were yeah like. Um, there are fans who I think felt the, the like, wow, this is a generational player potentially coming to our team. I want to be there and be able to say, you know, 20 years from now when he's put together his Hall of Fame career, I was there the day he, you know, became a Chicago Blackhawks. So um, there were, there are these hardcore fans. I don't know if I'd describe them as casual if you're flying all the way in from Chicago uh, to do this. I think the fact that it's in Nashville, it's an easier draw, right? Like next year, it's a, potentially, or it's supposed to be reportedly in Vegas. You know, if they're holding a draft in, in a different market, you're maybe not going to get as many casual fans. I saw a lot of fans out last night after the draft and, you know, having fun in Nashville. And, uh, you know, I think they just sort of gave themselves an excuse. Well, let's go to Nashville. The draft's there. It's not a hard call to do something like that. So uh, that might have played into it as well. But I'm with you, George. Like, I'm thinking, wow, that's, you, that's it's a certain type of fan that goes, I want to go with no affiliation. Yeah. you got to love it. Uh, wanted to ask you one more on Milan Lucic. We kind of heard that he's going to resign with the Boston Bruins. Sounds like that's going to be the new landing place for the former Flame. How about that for a reunion, DA? Uh, I think there's still value there. I think you know the Bruins are probably trying to figure out what went wrong ultimately after that incredible season they put together, and maybe just maybe that's a little bit of a bone. Uh, to try and lure, whether it's Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, like, hey, guys, we're keeping the band together as best possible from that, you know, 2011 team. Um, Milan Lucic is such a well-liked, such a well-respected guy. Um, he's not the Milan Lucic of 2011, and he understands that, but he still can provide a, a meaningful role in a very tough division, and, and that seems like it might be a good marriage. I, I think the reason you saw Milan Lucic go to the World Championships is he wanted to show NHL GMs and scouts and the NHL community, I'm not done yet, I want to keep playing, and uh, in a more prominent role at the World Championships than he was getting maybe shift to shift in the NHL last season. Um, and, and I think he did that. So uh, I could see that as a good fit for him. Um, you know, a depth guy, a guy who can just add a bit of character, and, and again, a guy who can maybe be another blue guy if you're going to try and bring back the likes of Bergeron, Krejci, and everyone else. David Amber, uh, host for the NHL on Sportsnet, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, uh, live from Nashville. Uh, David, uh, enjoy the rest of the draft. Enjoy that 100-degree weather, and we'll talk soon, pal. Yes, sir. We'll see you Saturday morning for our free agency show. We look forward to that. But, um, you know, Matt and George, thanks for having me on, and enjoy the day. Thanks, pal. Uh, there he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. All right, we got about six minutes to go in the show. we got to give away those uh, VIP tickets uh, to the Cowboys Music Festival on Sunday, July 16th. You can mm-hmm. see Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, and 24K Golden. We've been asking you with the Kent Hughes um, just weird scenario about taking down a sub with your buddies in the water. Would you do it? Um, we're asking you, give us a tough scenario, a Kent Hughes-like scenario uh, you would pose to some potential draft picks. Some of these have been really good. Uh, let's keep them rolling via text to McTexterson. Marissa from Calgary. Why can't the professor on Gilligan's Island fix a hole in a boat if he can construct a radio out of a coconut? See, Marissa, that's a valid a point. Question. 
that is a one that's been uh, bandied about for years and years and years. Clearly, he didn't want to leave the island. Nah, Maybe that's... that's why, Marissa. Maybe he liked his his new life there with crazy hot Ginger and Marianne. Maybe, like, maybe he, he le- just wanted to live there the rest of his life. Maybe he left a life of crime behind. Yeah. Maybe he's a murderer. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to go that far. I was thinking like insurance fraud or oh, something like that. But Yeah, that's not good either. Tax evasion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a theft under a thousand bucks. Something, yeah. sure, something little. Yeah, yeah, petty theft. All right. <laughs> All right, let's get some more. Glenn in Bonavista, what is the most important meal of of the day, Thursday or September, and why? <laughs> I like that. I always say Thursday is the most important de- uh, meal of the day, George. <laughs> You know, me. but I but I always say September is the most complete meal you can have. Yeah, but the question was important, so I think we have to go with Thursday okay. here. All right, Glenn, I like that one. Keep it rolling, Scott in Airdrie. If you were manning an anti-aircraft gun in World War II and you needed to sink a Japanese ship, would you butter your toast first or put on one sock at a time after taking a hot soapy shower? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it's buttering the yeah, toast. Yeah, clearly the buttering <laughs> the toast. You got to. I do like a hot, soapy duh. shower, but duh. You I'm don't busy put, right if now. If you don't put the butter on the toast, the toast gets colder yeah. and the butter doesn't melt. Nah, you got to get it quick. Right out of the toaster. Now, was there something about shooting down a ship there, too? I think so. Okay. Maybe. Right on. <laughs> Just chaos. Let's Keep go. Keep them rolling. Dave in Red Deer, if you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? <laughs> I know I would. First, I'd smother myself with brown mustard and relish. <laughs> What's that Seth Rogen movie where they're all food? Sausage party. Oh my god! I, have you seen that one, George? Yeah, I, I, de- I definitely have. And, uh, <laughs> it's the old. It's it's the old it's the old Homer Simpson thing where he's a donut and he yeah. starts eating himself. <laughs> yeah, because so yeah. that's the first thing that popped into my head. The ending of Sausage Party always. Whoa, that's. Whoa, whoa this is hard to watch. That's <laughs> a, a tough one. So, yeah, if you were a hot dog, which condiment would you put on yourself to eat yourself, Matty Rose? All of them. Yeah, you do like. Or if you're Brent Cron, you just, you know, you just raw dog it. Yeah, you just, just blame Have a bite. <laughs> Not even salt and pepper, just chomp. Mustard and hot sauce. Get after it. Okay. Right. Mustard and hot sauce. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a what? child and I like ketchup. Okay, keep <laughs> them rolling. Geo in Airdrie. If you're sent on the late night beer run and the LC closes in 12 minutes and you're 15 minutes away, how many stop signs would you run through to make it on time? <laughs> All of them. Next question. Gonna get to the LC. Okay, keep them rolling. Andy in Lethbridge. If you had a chance to score your 50th goal into an empty net on the last game of the year, or pass it over to a teammate in his very first NHL game, what would you do? Oh, 50th. <laughs> no, He's going to have so many chances at his first goal. goal into an empty net. Yeah. That's an easy That's one. That's also yeah. a good point. Really yeah. good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're really thinking about the kid. I was thinking, like, screw him. He'll get his... He'll get yeah, his honestly, you know, he'll get it next year. <laughs> yeah. No, what's the story? Oh, actually, son, I uh, slid into a yawning cage. Yeah, and didn't... there's no way the kid in his first game is on the ice with an empty net. Yeah, it's... A... <laughs> Especially oh, yeah. if he's playing for Daryl Sutter. On the top line with a 50-goal score. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so now we're inviting <laughs> logic into the conversation all morning, right, right out the window. But now we're inviting. So clearly, logic. I'd eat. Yeah. Clearly, I'd put ketchup on myself if I yeah. was a hot dog. If I would eat myself. All right, keep going. Leon from Calgary. If a plane crashed on the border between Canada and USA, what side would you bury the survivors on? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Things took a turn with that logic. I think I would split the survive. I think I think I would split the victims up. Well, wouldn't you let you look at where they're coming from? Well, how would you choose, George? Would you randomize, or would you have more of a different process? Maybe I would. I would burn the more charred bodies on the United <laughs> no, States but, side. No, but the point was that they were survivors. They weren't. They survived the crash. That was oh, part okay. of the text. That's what made it really dark. Okay. Next one. <laughs> got one more here. All oh, right. we we do have a trade here. What? What? It's not. Yeah. A, not a big one. Josh Bailey to the Blackhawks. It's a cap dump. Who cares? Yeah, it's not a big Play one. Play another My text. God, like why? Anyway, okay. cap dumps. Connor in South Calgary. You're a hockey puck with a mischievous personality, and you're tired of being slapped <laughs> around by players. How would you convince the players to treat you with more respect? Would you use your comedic charm, your incredible ricocheting skills? Or something entirely unexpected. <laughs> unexpected is the way to go. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm just gonna shoot myself off the glass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like I've lost track on all these people who've texted these things. Which one's your favorite? <laughs> um, I liked. Which one did we get in the biggest discourse about? Was oh. it the horses or was it? We have Logan, yeah, it was Logan the and the, and the fence or or the Royal Rumble, but um, because clearly you're throwing Taylor over first. Um, you it's gotta the stop saying one. that, bro. It's the horses it's one. The... Yeah, who's the horses? Was it Matt from oh. Langdon? <laughs> Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or one hundred duck-sized horses? <laughs> yeah, we did have the biggest debate on that stupid one. <laughs> Come listen, I, I want no part of a giant bill. <laughs> All right, congratulations. Who is it? That's Matt. Yeah, congratulations, Matt. You're going Thanks. to VIP. I uh, appreciate it. The Thanks, Cowboys I appreciate it. Festival. You finally Sunday, picked one July of my text. 16th. <laughs> Ice Cube, Steve Aoki, and 24 Karat Gold. You're going. Uh, what do we got on Mucho Big Show? We don't. It's, We're it's, going to the draft. It's a draft. Pat's next. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, second. Really? <laughs> yeah, He's round two through seven. Yeah. Yes. Let's go. He's in Nashville. He's up and at him. He's waiting <laughs> All right. for us to throw the break. I can, okay, yeah, I can see right. him. He's doing, Patty, enjoy the he's show, doing pal. The, the Judge Judy meme right now. <laughs> tap, if tap, Pat tap. Steinberg could kill one of his co-hosts from the rounds two to seven, which one would it be and why? <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.